Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Earl Stewart, the recovering car dealer, live right here on uh, YouTube, right here on Facebook, on the conventional radio, on Twitter. We're all over the world. We've got... uh, a pretty big audience. We're getting calls from all over the United States, and in a nutshell, we're going to tell you how not to get ripped off by your car dealer uh, when you're buying, leasing, maintaining, or repairing your cars. Uh, we we thrive on your calls. Your calls are uh, the fuel for this show. Uh, we have a, a multitude of ways that you can contact our show during the next two hours, and we'll be on from uh, now until 10 o'clock. Uh, you uh, can call us on our old—I call it the old-fashioned telephone. I mean, I—you know—I'm an old guy, and this iPhone thing is still uh, a miracle to me. But we used to have telephones. Remember telephones? Anyway, eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. We'd love to hear from you because the telephone still has a personal touch. We can hear you. You can hear us. There's there's the exchange. Uh, uh, sometimes it's a little bit. Uh, you know, talking over back and forth kind of thing, but telephones are, are more like real life. So we love to have your calls. We prioritize our calls uh, that are on the old-fashioned telephone, 877-960-9960, partly because our switchboard only handles three or four calls at the same time here at the radio station, and also because uh, we don't want you waiting, uh, especially if you're in the car and you make a call from the car. So I promise you, if you call 877 877- 960-9960, we will get to you and uh, quickly, as quickly as possibly can. But a lot of folks like to text, and texts are cool because they are like an archive. They build up. We get to all of them almost every week, and sometimes we get to them right away. Sometimes we don't, but during the two hours, we'll get your text answered 99% of the time, and that text number is 772-497-6530. That's 772 772- Four nine seven six five three zero. Write these numbers down, and when you think of something that you'd like to say, critical or otherwise, please do so. And we have a super number we just uh, absolutely uh, love, and it seems to be the most popular number. I give it to you last because I really don't have to give it to you because a lot of people do. Oh, we have a telephone call. I'll be with yeah. you in one second, caller, and I just want to give a anonymousfeedback.com, www.your anonymousfeedback.com your anonymousfeedback.com tell us anything you want to say we don't know who you are we can't track you down we can't have you arrested we can't give you a reward you're totally anonymous you have my word on that now let's go to our okay, first let's caller. go to our early caller that's warren he's calling us from pompano beach good morning warren hey guys how are you today great thanks for calling uh, the reason why i called was that I think it was Monday, I'm not sure. There was a big article in the New York Times 
about the shortage of used cars. And I thought you guys might be interested in if you wanted to look it up. I think it was Monday, could have been Tuesday, uh, about you know what you've been talking about. And it, it pretty much was going what you guys have been saying all along about you know people just want to get a car, go, whatever. But one of the interesting things they pointed out was that a lot of people who are in the upper echelons of society have discovered that you know these cars like Mercedes or Audis or Cadillacs could be bought used half the price and they don't have to go out and pay forty fifty thousand dollars for these cars especially if you can find them with little mileage on them and even people with money say why should i pay fifty thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars for a mercedes or a cadillac when i can get it for thirty thousand with ten or fifteen thousand miles on it so it sort of created a short view but it was interesting that it was sort of parroting what you guys were saying yeah we uh, earl and i were talking about that article on monday um one of the other interesting things was um, that the um, a lot of people are buying used cars just to avoid taking public transportation, uh, you know, rideshare or the subway or what or whatever, and that added just another reason because we've been pondering this, you know, as you know, listening to the show for you know since the since early this summer, and yeah, it was a great article. Yeah, it was just something I I got I figured you guys saw it, but I, I like the part about the used cars that are the expensive ones yeah. that are yeah. you know. Warren, I tell you, I've always said, and it applies especially to uh, used cars, uh, a, it's a much better value to buy a two- or three-year-old used car, particularly Cadillac, Lexus, uh, BMW, Porsches, these high, high, high-priced cars. The luxury cars uh, usually have bigger markups, and they have less of a discount. But as soon as they're traded in, uh, they, the prices drop precipitously, and you can get a great bargain, even sometimes under new new vehicle warranty. So if you're a luxury car buyer, you really should try hard to shop for the used car. Now, the, the problem is that prices are up. There is a shortage of supply. But the used car prices are coming down a little bit. They peaked about, what, uh, three weeks ago, 30 days ago, Stu? Yeah, towards the end of July, beginning of uh, August. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's still a, it's a good time to uh, buy a used car. And any time you're thinking of a new car, Go out there and price the, the equivalent two- or three-year-old used, and it's really a better value. Warren, thank you very much for pointing that out. That's one of the most important things any car shopper needs to know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I know two people who I know, a friend who bought a Cadillac, I mentioned it before, who was like half the price of another person yes. who bought an Audi, who, who, who paid like, almost about half price for it for, for a car coming off the lease. The dealer told them that whether it's true or not, I don't know. Yes. He paid about literally half the price for an Audi with 20,000 miles on it. Yes. And that car goes in the 40s. And, you know, you know, we went to look at it and everything we bought it. So I just figured, yeah. you know, how could you not go along with that? What's 20,000 miles on a car today? Exactly. You still have to be careful, and you should always compare. Don't just think the used car is a great deal. Compare the new car price. It's a good negotiating tactic. If you want to buy an Audi, the luxury Cadillac, Price the exact same car out new and pretend like you're going to buy the car, go through the process, get the best price you can on that new car, and then look at a used car. And you should save several thousand dollars. But sometimes you'll find out people take advantage of people buying used cars, and you can find out you can buy the equivalent new car, especially when there's big incentives for close to the price of the used. So you, you need to save yourself three or $4,000 at least when you buy a used car as opposed to the brand new one. Yeah, just one, one last question. The used yeah. car compared to leasing, to leasing a car, 
So just to say what you were saying before, in other words, because you're pricing out a lease of a car, in other words, if you're going to buy whatever luxury car it was, you know, are you just better off sometimes going and leasing the car because you might get the equivalent of it, you know, instead of buying the used one? Is that any possibility? What are your thoughts on that? Well, leasing is, uh, leasing is a good idea as long as you know, uh, as long as you've done the process and research and cost of it out competitively as when you buy one. Uh, if you buy, a, if you lease a car at a competitive rate, it's no better or no worse than if you buy a car at a competitive rate. The key is competition, competitive rate, best price. Uh, there is no advantage to leasing. Now, one disadvantage to leasing is a lot of people don't know the rules of leasing, which are if you have a 36-month or a 48-month or whatever length of the lease, you're obligated for all those payments. A lot of uh, elderly people in South Florida, a lot of seniors, and we have more health problems. I'm one of them. And you get into a situation where you can't drive the car anymore. Uh, hearing, health problems, they happen. And uh, you have to pay those payments, whether you can drive the car or not. I know people, unfortunately, sadly, have called me, car sitting in the garage, doctor says you can't drive, and the car's sitting there. Uh, you have to make the remaining 14 payments. And uh, a lot of salespeople, when you lease a car, lead you to believe that, hey, it's like renting a car. If you don't like the car, bring it back and get another one. That, that doesn't happen. You're obligated totally. And if you pass away, God forbid people do this, and what are you going to do? It goes into your estate. So you're your uh, beneficiaries are paying the price because that estate owns a big debt. You know, maybe you got uh, 14 remaining payments for $500 a month. That's a lot of money. Your estate has to pay the leasing company. Just one quick question about the leasing. What do you think of these things? Well, I see it, but I, about taking over somebody's lease. In other words, if somebody was paying $400 a month for the X card, I'll say, all right, if you take over my lease, you know, you know, I'll take it over three hundred, and I'll lease a hundred dollars. I'll give you a check. With the year on the lease, for example, I'll give you a check for twelve hundred dollars. We do all the paperwork, and you take over the lease at three hundred and finish up the lease. Do you believe that's legitimate or any validity to it? It can be, but it's pretty tricky, Warren. And I'd advise against it. Uh, you really, there are companies out there that do this. Uh, remember, the leasing company has to say yes. So. I can't just go to you know Alan or George or Charlie and say, "Hey Charlie, take over my lease," and he says, "Okay, I'll do it." I got to go to my leasing company, and then I got to check Charlie out pretty carefully. They don't like it. I mean, uh, you can see I'm a leasing company. I lease you a car, and then uh, the, after only half the lease payments are paid, you want to have somebody else make the payments. Well, you're making payments. I knew who you were when I leased you the car. Why should I accept Charlie to, to pay the last full payments? Maybe Charlie won't make his payments. So I, I recommend against having other people take over your lease payments. It's a gamble. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Be safe. Take care. Thank you, Warren. Take care. Same to you, Warren. Back to Earl Stewart. Okay, let's uh, let's get into uh, some. I think we probably got some text. We probably got some uh, YouTube's. What do we have over there? Let me take advantage of a moment here and remind everyone to go to www.youranonymousfeedback.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love you to share anything and yeah. everything with us. Now, we're going to go to Stu. I have a very special text. Um, it says hi, Earl, Nancy, Stu, and Rick. This is Tina. 
Um, I know I haven't called your show in recent weeks, and this has been due to a schedule change in my work. I hope to call back as soon as circumstances allow. In the meantime, I'm hoping that Nancy continues to attract more women to your platform because we are still underrepresented. I would like to extend well wishes to everyone. Keep putting the underhanded dealers and unscrupulous repair facilities on blast for their bad behavior. Hashtag Big Dog Ranch. Hashtag Adopto Shop. Thanks. Sincerely, Tina. So that was really good. Thanks for your support, Tina. Oh, well, we're worried about you, Tina. Tina. I, uh, you know, we didn't know what happened, whether you moved out of the area, whether you got sick, and we miss you so much. I'm glad you got yourself a good job, and uh, sorry the hours conflict, but call us as soon as you can. Yeah, thanks for the update. I'm going to take advantage of reminding the ladies this morning uh, because of Tina. Uh, she has really supported me, uh, like so many other ladies, and helped to build the platform to, uh, you know, let our voices be heard. You can win yourself $50 this morning, the first two new lady callers, $50. I know you can use it, so give us a call at 877-960-9960, first two new lady callers. You don't have a question? Call to say hello. I'm waiting. And to Allie, I certainly hope you're listening and that you will send me your contact information. Again, that number is 877-960-9960. Now back to Stu. Let's let's get on some of these texts or anonymous feedback. Okay, so we have a a great follow-up to a Tina text. We have an Anne-Marie text. Anne-Marie has three questions. She says, good morning. Number one. Since cars have become rolling computers, I was wondering how much personal data do they capture? Uh, Number two, do they store contacts from one's phone, for example? And three, is there any way to delete this data before one sells a vehicle? That's from Anne Marie. Um, I think Rick probably knows a lot about that. Um, I can tell you that they do store your um, contact information if you allow it to when you're setting up your your phone, you're connecting it for, for the infotainment you know, for the uh, for music, but also for communications. And that's a great question because you do have to delete it yourself before it's resold, and a lot of people, I would imagine, don't even bother to do that. Right, you're right. That's actually a, a great thing to let people know about. Uh, yes, on the older cars that I'm gonna say two to three years, the past two to three years, and going back about five or six years, if you connected your cell phone in, all your contacts, were sent and stored in the radio. Now, within the last one to two years, especially as CarPlay from Google and Apple has become more prevalent, instead of putting that information stored in the radio, the radio will simply contact the phone to access it when it needs it. But when you want to get rid of the car, you're gonna let it go. You want to go into settings and look for the line that says delete personal data. The other thing that this will delete is all of your previous destinations and your home location that was in your navigation system. You want to delete all that information so that way somebody can't, when someone else gets the car, they can't go back and look at where you might have been, where your home was, or any of your personal data uh, contact I I just have a thought. That's very interesting. uh, Make a great TV plot. You know, the guys, the circuit, looking for other people. If you had somebody you really, really want to check out, a politician that was running for office, and you found out he sold his car, uh, I'll guarantee you that he probably didn't do what you just uh, sure. wouldn't know about. 
So you could buy the car, you know, be the top bidder, go up and say, how much you want for this car? I don't care. You write out a check, you buy the guy's car, he traded it at ABC uh, Cadillac or wherever, and then you do exactly what uh, you don't want to do, or you, uh, you don't want others to do, find out everything about the guy. You, you can find out where who, he went. Who he's calling. Yeah, you can find the, uh, the guy running for uh, Congress uh, goes to Rachel's uh, Strips Club every Every you Saturday. might find all his girlfriend's yeah. numbers. And, and they got strange numbers you don't know. Uh, phone, I mean, it's, that's really interesting. I mean, yeah. Anne-Marie, once again, super, super question. That's, uh, yeah. uh, delete that data. I, I'm just one of these people that I don't delete stuff yeah. like that. But, but you I mainly should. use, I think you use your Apple CarPlay, don't you? Yeah. Mostly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a good improvement. But I remember learning about this when, uh, you know, way back when they first started having these uh, where you can hook up your phone to the, to the car. Yep. And that was the big deal about changing when they had navigation. You can set the home. And I was always advised, um, set it like a block away from your house. So if somebody ever stole your car, they wouldn't be able to find your home. Which I think would be a very unusual situation if a car thief would steal your car then want to come visit you. But um, or, it, it made sense. <laughs> yeah, or set it to a, like a, an intersection, a nearby intersection. Yeah. But remember, if someone does have that information that you know tells them how to find your house, and if you have, say, HomeLink that has the little button right, you that can go in there opens and open. your garage, exactly. Mm -hmm. They simply drive up to your house, hit now a button, that's the reason. and pull right into your garage. Mm. Okay, great information. Uh, thanks, Anne-Marie. Thanks, Rick, Stu. Uh, we're going to go to Frank, who has been holding from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. How is everybody? We're Good. well, thank you. Good. I haven't spoke to you for a while. Uh, just on the last uh, thing about the, the, what you were talking about, why don't they set the I think you cut out there, Frank. Could you repeat the question? I said, listening to your last uh, caller or text, whatever, about deleting your phone and everything from your car, mm -hmm. and then uh, put your home address not actually at your address, but someplace else so they can't find your house. Right. I thought it would be good to put it at the local police station. <laughs> That'd be great. You should be able to know how to find your home in your own car, I would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm calling. I had a thought the other day. In the old days, when the, your friend needed a battery, had a bed, dead battery, needed a push to get it started or to jump it or whatever, you used to push the car. Today, you can't do that because the forward collision brake goes on. So, and you wouldn't want to do it today's car because there's no more bumpers. But I was thinking about all the police cars. They have these great big bumpers that they put on the front of their cars to push somebody. Frank, you're fading in and out again. Are you on a, are you on an unusual kind of phone, or are you using speakerphone or something? Because you're fading in and out. I'm, uh, I'm 441 driving. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, so you're yeah, using yeah. Uh, hands free. Okay. Um, go ahead, uh, Stu. Uh, uh, repeat your last question because you were fading out on us. Uh, the uh, forward collision. When you try to push a car in the old days with a bumper to get them started to jump start a car. Right. Today's cars, you wouldn't want to do it because there is no bumper. 
But then I was thinking about the police cars with these great big bumpers they have. Those yeah, big brush guards, yeah. Uh, they they don't they don't have forward collision anymore. Well, I think you can turn that off. I think in most of the cars, the pre-collision system. So if you ever had to um, ram your car intentionally into something, I think you can push the button and turn off the, it's called the PCS. Is that right? Right, yes. Yeah. So. Um, oh, okay. Well, I didn't realize that. That's yeah. a good idea then. Unfortunately, um, and I, by the way, I remember I used to start my car all the time, my uh, my stick shift manual transmission with the jump start. You'd open the door, put a hand on the steering wheel, the other hand on the door, run along the car, jump in, pop the clutch, and then start the car. I don't think there's very many cars on the road that you can do that anymore. No. Nope. <laughs> but that gave no, me a good memory. No, I, used to, <laughs> I used to do that, too, and, you know, and I'm twice as old as you are. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, that was my thought. And I figured I'd just well, thanks, Frank. hello because I haven't spoken to you guys for a while. No, thanks, Frank. That was very nostalgic. <laughs> How about ro rolling the car down the hill and then uh, and then popping oh, yeah. the clutch? Yep. Oh, yeah. or, or having your buddies push it. Exactly. A very common sight, at least uh, when I was a teenager. Well, Frank, thanks again. We'd love to hear from you. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Have a good one. Be safe. You too, Frank. my friend. Thank you, Frank. Well, if you didn't jot that number down, I'll give it to you again. That's 877-960-9960. Or you can go ahead and text us at 772-497-6530. And again, your anonymous feedback. Take advantage of that. Ladies, I'm waiting to hear from you. First two lady callers, $50. Now two, back to first Sue. First two new lady callers. That's right. You if you haven't called the show before, please call. If you're newly a lady, exactly. I'll give you $50. Okay, uh, here's a good question. What does an alternator do? I guess this is a question for Rick. It's from Danny in Tallahassee. What does an alternator do? It very, alternates. <laughs> very simply, it takes the spinning motion of the engine, creates an electrical current that recharges the 12 volt battery. And it also provides the electricity to run everything on the car while the engine is running. So my question is, why don't they call it a generator? They used to back when it was a simple DC voltage generator, but when they went to using a phased alternator that could create AC current and convert it to DC power to charge the system and run the car, they started calling them alternators instead. Oh, I didn't know that. I did, uh-huh. You did, really? Okay, well, your generator, your giant, your Generac, produces AC current, right? Yeah. Why don't they call that an alternator? Well, I, they could. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Car, car folks said we'll do it. Oh. All right. Uh, moving on. Earl, this is from Amanda. Earl, why were you bashing a hail sale? These hail cars are good deals if you don't mind some dents. And who cares if the dealership buys them for resale? Like I said, that's from Amanda. Well, Amanda, you know, here, I, th I probably didn't make myself clear. If you have a dealer that is in business and he has cars in his lot and they have a hailstorm, and they damage his cars, and he prices them fairly to compensate for the fact that they have dents all over them, it can be a good deal. But when a dealer buys cars from a third party, after the fact, after the hailstorm occurred, he's buying the cars at a bargain. He's getting the bargain that you're not getting because you know, these, hail, these hail cars could be thousands of dollars below their normal market price. So he's in the car for the price where you'd like to be in the car. In order for him to give you a fair price, uh, he'd have to sell you the cars for what he paid for them. 
but he's not going to do that. He's going to mark it up, and you're going to have a, uh, a mine discount. You're going to say, oh, I got a $3,000 discount, and you don't realize that he marked it up $3,000 before he discounted $3,000. So what happened on the mystery shop? Uh, I believe that was uh, Del Rey uh, Greco? Yes, Greco, yeah. Yeah, Del Rey Greco. And uh, he bought cars from out of the area. We don't know where. They didn't have any hailstorms in his area in a long time. And he paid. A, he probably got a really good price. He's a professional. They might have been going through an auction. Uh, you don't know what it was. But, you know, we buy cars at auction, too. And we buy cars at a really good price because we know the market. Then he marked them up and sold them to his customers. And they paid way too much. So that's the sum total of what I did. There you go. Makes okay, sense. Uh, we're going to go to John, and uh, John is calling us from Palm City. Uh, John is calling us from uh, Hope Sound. Sorry oh, about John. that. I don't have my glasses on. Hi, John. <laughs> Good morning, uh, everybody. Good morning. I called last week, and I I let you guys know about an issue. My son traded in a, a Ram truck. They didn't pay off the loan, and he started getting late notices from right. his first yeah. finance. Uh, I want to. I told my son what I found out from you folks last week. He did exactly that. He contacted the GM, skipped the finance manager now, went right to the GM, and he and he told them that listen, if you don't get this squared away for me right away, I'm going to contact the motor vehicles and I'm going to write a letter to the uh, state attorney. Uh, the GM was a little uh, taken aback, but I just want to let you know, on September 10th, they paid off the loan. <laughs> so it was five weeks. Yeah, five weeks from the time he traded it in. Yeah. So I don't know if that's normal or not, five weeks, but he traded it in August 3rd. The loan was paid off on September 10th. John, it's so good to hear uh, our advice uh, being used successfully, especially and uh, it's uh, if all you other listeners out there, uh, this is uh, you know John's uh, son uh, paid off. He traded in his Ram truck, bought another vehicle. Found out that he was still getting payment requests from the person that he bought the Ram truck from, and that means that the dealer he bought the car from never paid it off. So uh, there's a lot of reasons that can happen: sloppiness uh, or um, bankruptcy. Uh, car dealers get. Uh, the cash flow squeeze, they don't have the cash to pay the cars off that are traded in. And we don't know what it was, but the thing to remember is if you want to strike fear into the heart of a car dealer, there's nothing better than the Department of Motor Vehicles in Florida, the Florida Department of Motor Vehicles. And of course, the Attorney General is a pretty uh, heavy hitter too. If the Attorney General uh, wants to get you, she can, and she can find you a lot of money. But the Department of Motor Vehicles is even better because they have the power of revoking your license or fining you. And you don't have to go through a judicial process. You can't hire a lawyer when the Department of Motor Vehicles says, I'm yanking your license. Uh, the law says they have the right to license you or not license you, to fine you. And a car dealer's attention will immediately be gotten when you call them and say, I'm going to file a formal complaint with a DMV. Well, it all worked out, and I thank you guys for that advice. Thank you, John. Take care. 
And uh, call again someday. Right, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I thanks will. for the call, John. Look forward to hearing from you again. That number again is uh, 877-960-9960. And uh, speaking of uh, the Attorney General, Ashley Moody, uh, she's a top-ranking law enforcement officer, and she definitely can help us out, just like uh, all of these uh, other departments uh, that can do so much for the car business. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to reach her, if you can give her a call at 850-414-3300. That's Attorney General Ashley Moody. Yeah, Give we, her a call. Yeah, we, we talk about Ashley Moody not taking action, and we mean it. Um, she focuses on all attorney generals, not just Ashley, Pam Bonney before and others before her. Uh, it's a political position, and you're elected based on who votes for you, and people vote for you because they were urged to do so by a lot of money spent on your campaign. And who spends the most money on the Attorney General's campaign? The uh, interest that need the cooperation. And nobody needs the cooperation of the Attorney General more than car dealers. Absolutely. So they, they spend a huge amount of money getting Ashley elected. Now, you can still get action out of Ashley Moody, the Attorney General, but you have to file the complaint. If you file the complaint, you will, I assure you, if you do, if you fill out all the paperwork, and it's not easy, um, on our website, Stu, right? Um, actually, on our... Uh, Erloncars.com. there's a click, uh, you can click on filing complaints, download a form to file a complaint with the Attorney General, Ashley Moody, and also the Department of Motor Vehicles. When she gets the complaint, she has to act. She will write that dealer a letter. And I, I've, I've been a dealer for a long time. If I got a letter to me, from the Attorney General. First of all, I'd open it. Uh, most of the mail that goes to the owner of a dealership, they never see it. They got people that are taking care of it. If something comes in from the Department of Motor Vehicles or the Attorney General, I see it as the dealer, the owner. Uh, a lot of these owners are absentee. You know, they're, they got the vacation homes in Montana and, and the islands and, uh, and Vail and Aspen, and you don't see these car dealers because they, they got a lot of money and they're not even there, but they will see the letters that are sent to the DMV and the Attorney General. You know, the, uh, the attorney is supposed to, well, she's supposed to protect us uh, from all the fraud and scams that are going on and this uh, very dangerous products also, I might add. So, as a, again, uh, give her a call at 850 3300. Uh, we're going to go to Johnny, who's been holding from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Johnny. Hey, good morning, gang. How are y'all doing? doing well, great. thank you. Great. I listen to your show every Saturday on the way to the beach, so uh, I'm pulled over here with the rain. I had a couple questions for you. Great. Thank you. Um, starting, starting off, um, my father's got a 2006 uh, Toyota Highlander Hybrid. Uh, he bought it brand new, dealer maintained, uh, lives in his garage. He's never had any problems with it. He's been doing some independent research, and he's being told, um, not necessarily by the dealer, that his batteries, his hybrid batteries, are past their lifespan, even though they're still working well. And they're warning him that if the hybrid batteries fail when he's on a road trip, the car will not be able to operate. It won't know to switch over to gasoline. Is that true? How many miles on it? This one's got about 90, uh, eighty to 90,000. Rick, what do you say? That's not necessarily true, no. I've seen plenty of times when, as the hybrid batteries begin to fail, 
the first thing that will happen is the computer will detect it very early and it will throw on the check engine light and the hybrid warning light. And when you see those, go to the dealership, get it checked out, and if it says yes, the battery is failing, that's the time to replace it. But they, it's not a, usually not a uh, strand you by the side of the road thing. There's usually quite a good warning signal, and I've seen some customers that say, no, I can't afford to do it right now, and they come back two, three months later, and the car is still limping around on that kind of halfway failing battery. And so, I mean, they, they still have got a little bit of time, but usually... But if he has, no warning, light, light. If he has no warning lights at all, the chances are almost zero that he's got a problem with the battery. If there's no warning lights, that battery's fine right now. Okay, yeah, and I guess it was um, in regards to being it was one of the earlier hybrid models, I believe, might have been part of the story. Um, yeah, somebody's, somebody's just playing scare tactics. They're I'm trying to get him to come into one of the aftermarket shops and get a, a, a replacement battery. Yeah, to be to be frank about it, the mm -hmm. 2006 hybrid, a Highlander hybrid was one of the earliest uh, hybrids in that model, mm -hmm. and we actually recommended people not buy it because they were much more expensive uh, than the standard hybrid Highlander. I mean, the standard Highlander, gasoline powered only, and the fuel economy advantage was nominal. So. Yeah. 28 miles per hour. Yeah, and so, uh, but now, given the fact that she owns the car and the price is adjusted because it's a 14-year-old car, uh, that's a that's not really a factor. Uh, the if she if she were to buy another vehicle today and buy a Highlander hybrid, uh, all the hybrid technology is much better, and the fuel economy 14 years later in hybrid is uh, precipitously hugely better than what it was before. Okay. Another question, um, is there an approximate ballpark figure to replace those hybrid batteries today, right now, um, if he had to? Mm -hmm. For the Highlander, I'm going to say probably around 3500 Okay, that's about what he was told. Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, that's good. Is All right, um, well, thank you guys. Uh, well, I want to switch gears uh, to another vehicle, if I could. Um, now talking about a 2003 Toyota Echo. Uh, basic model, stick shift, about 184,000 miles on it, uh, maintained uh, through Bob Davis there in Lake Worth. Uh, he takes care of it. Uh, what's the lifespan of, uh, do I need to worry about a timing chain at all? No. Timing chains are for the life of the engine. Okay. So as long as I'm routine maintenance and uh, seems to be operating fine, I should be okay? The only thing that I would recommend uh, is Keep an eye for small oil leaks from the timing chain tensioner. And with that kind of mileage, you might might go ahead and put a new tensioner in it. The part itself through Toyota is like about $40. And it should be maybe oh, an hour's labor to install it. And Put that in, put that in English for a moment. This, this is actually <laughs> a little spring-loaded hydraulic device. Yeah, it no, keeps no, I mean, the chain an tight. An hour's labor, you're talking $150. Okay, yeah. Uh, I yeah. would say less than $200 total yeah. to replace that tensioner. But it's a good okay. idea because that will actually help keep the chain nice and snug. And timing chains now, they don't have the issues that we had years back. That's why they, most of the cars have gone back to them. And they'll, they'll outlast the rest of the car. Okay, great. 
Well, hey, I really appreciate your time. Um, thanks for a great show, and uh, appreciate the knowledge. Well, good luck at the beach. It, I, it wasn't looking good this morning when I was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough out there, but we'll see. <laughs> Be careful. I, I bet it's a pretty interesting view right now. Uh, give us a call. Have some fun. Get right, some information. So Bye-bye. And uh, that number is 877-960-9960. I think we're going to go back to Stu. Sure. I think he's got some text. So, oh, you do, Rick. Okay. Oh, we, we got a YouTube Just came one. in? Okay. One quick one came in. We're going to uh, go to Rick. Derek Lopez says, hello. My comment for the show, I don't like the survey system after buying a car. I loved my salesman, but the finance man was very rude and condescending. But... I had to give all tens to help the salesman. Not true. Well, yeah. kind of true. Well, the, the, yeah, the, the survey system is uh, archaic. It, uh, it isn't accurate. It's manipulated by the dealers. That's what you're experiencing as uh, the salesman begging for right. a 10. And uh, it's probably true that he had to beg because the, sale, the dealers will compensate employees at, on good surveys. So, if a salesman can expect a big fat bonus at the end of the month because he has all tens, you can bet he's going to try. Now, there's a lot of ways you can try. You can be really good and leave it up to the customer, or you can beg, or you can trick him. Uh, you know, they give you a free tank of gas. Let me have that blank survey. There's too many ways to manipulate the survey. The uh, manufacturers who really care and the ones who figured it out know there's one way to measure a car dealer, and that is if you buy a car from that car dealer, do you buy another car and another car? Right. If you bring your car in for service, do you come back again and again and again? If you have customers that come back to you a very high percentage of time, then you're a good dealer. If not, the survey number means nothing. See, that's uh, dealerships uh, are have so much running on the line on these survey scores. Tons of uh, incentives and, and money given to the dealer uh, based on how good their scores are. Prizes, uh, honoraries, trips, everything is based on it. So it's not a surprise when you have it trickles down from the, uh, from the dealer down to the salespeople who will bribe and cajole and manipulate to get a good survey score. Yeah. Um, you did mention dealer, Toyota um, got rid of their survey. So they have a survey, but it's no longer tied to any sort of incentive anymore. It's, just, it's supposed to be just a, a gauge to see how you're doing. Uh, they, did, they went to a, like a five-star system, and there's no... Uh, but that does not mean that dealers aren't still tying uh, compensation to it. But, One of the cutest yeah. tricks was to put a phony email address yeah. uh, when you sell the car. So you report the sale to uh, Honda, or you report the sale to Chevrolet, and you had a bad time with the customer, he got mad at you, so you know you don't want him sending a survey in. You, you so don't, you just, you don't just, put an email, you leave it blank. Either, yeah, either that or you put a phony email address in there, and uh, if you leave it blank, you might be, uh, you know, Transpose Flag a couple it. letters. Yeah, but the manufacturer doesn't know. All you have to do is transpose a couple letters. Mm -hmm. Oh, I made a mistake. So they're very clever, and the written surveys are so manipulated they mean nothing. Okay. Okay, uh, we are going to take a moment and take a call. We're going to talk to John from Palm City. Hey. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. It looks like batteries are on people's mind. Mm. I have a question for Rick. Every time, naturally, that an oil change is done, the battery should be tested. In Rick's opinion, when the battery is tested, is that just the present state of the battery, or can, can the testing predict and maybe the future or how long it'll last? What's Rick's opinion on that? Because I see in South Florida here, 
maybe the life of a battery is three, three and a half years in a car battery. But what's uh, Rick's opinion on the test that's done? And also, why not, when I grew up, the testing that was done on the battery was for the hydraulic fluid. They use a hydrometer. You can't even find one of those today. Test the specific gravity of the fluid in the battery. But what's Rick's idea on this? Well, I've got a snap-on computerized tester in my toolbox that will tell me if the battery is testing good right now. And if it's testing good right now, I'd say you're probably good for a 30-30 warranty on it. 30 feet, 30 seconds, whichever comes first. Uh, you, you really can't tell the future with them. It can test good today, and three days later that battery could fail. Okay, probably probably a failure of the shorted plates, I would imagine, right on it that you can't predict, right? Exactly. Okay, then I want to point out to you, which the Bible of, of, of I read regularly, and Earl and Nancy can confirm it, the new issue of Consumer Reports, the October issue, I just got it this week, it has a great rating of a battery called Everstart, Max 35N. It's mm -hmm. under $100.00. There's ratings from 47 to 96, and it gets a 92 rating. Mm. Has anybody, do you know who, I'll tell you who makes Everstar? That's made by Johnson Control Company, which is a major battery manufacturer, and it's in all the Walmarts. Mm. And it's reasonably priced, and when things were better, uh, now I see the service areas are closed in Walmart for installations, but they would install it even free. And you buy it from them. And it has, if you buy the five-year warranty, it has three full years of return on it and two years of prorating. And I just want to point out that great report from Consumer Reports on this Everstart Max 35N. Great information, John. I tell yeah, you, great. every time I hear something like that, I think about, boy, what a gift to the world Consumer Reports is. I mean, for, to have an agency that is so, has so much integrity and such, they're so well financed, all by donations, uh, not, not profit, so you get the, just the facts, and you get this information. And I, at uh, Everstart uh, Max 35, made by Johnson Control Center, and it, do they make batteries for uh, winter type and uh, summer type? And well, they have all different grades. You can buy a cheaper battery that doesn't have a good warranty on it, uh -huh. and it's much less. Some batteries that look as much as $70, $75, but it, it pays with our automobiles, especially here in South Florida. You buy the best that you can. You buy the right size. Yeah. They have the books that will tell you if you're not sure, you know, what the numbers, and always the best mount of plates and a zero crank ratings and it never pays to be cheap yeah, when it, it comes to a battery. Yeah, a battery and the you other know, say consumers is not saying there's other bad batteries. They check the interstate yeah. and uh, <coughs> other brands, but this one came out on top. Yeah, that's great to know. Uh, Rick would agree. You know, of all the complaints we as a car dealer get, battery is probably at the top of the list and it doesn't make any difference whether a car's two years old or twenty years old. Batteries always remain up there. And it's something we take for granted, and we shouldn't. The, manu the manufacturer decides what battery you're going to get, and you buy the car and you keep it, and the dealer's probably going to replace it with another battery from that same manufacturer if you're dealing with a dealer. 
And if you're going somewhere else, they're probably going to find a cheaper battery that they can mark up more to make money. And you should be involved and say, I want the best battery I could get for the money. And uh, this one here apparently is the Everstar Max 35 made by Johnson Control. Uh, I'm going to look into it myself. Maybe we should be selling them at our dealership. Well, Rick will tell you also, the battery is the heart of the automobile. Sure. And it should be checked regularly, especially the connections. Yeah. <clears throat> the connections tend to, uh, you put like Vaseline around it and keep it clean, <clears throat> and you'll never have a problem that way. But it's so important, that part of the automobile, and has to be reliable every time to start. Something like 90% of the factory batteries that are installed in Toyotas when they're first being built are from Johnson Controls. Oh, I didn't know that. They, well, they just they call make it from Toyota, many other Toyota manufacturers brand. also. Yeah. Yeah. You won't see their name on it like Walmart has Johnson Controls, mm -hmm. but they make it for many of the new automobile manufacturers. Yep. Great information as always, John. We, we love your calls. Keep them coming. My pleasure. You guys have a good day. Thank you, you so much, John. Have a great weekend. 877-960-9960. Or you can text us, 772-497-6530. Don't forget, youranonymousfeedback.com. And boy, we have an interesting mystery shop this morning. And you want to stay tuned for that. Uh, that uh, mystery shop is from uh, Ed Moore's Honda. And, uh, and Bremen. Bremen. And uh, we had a little bit different twist on the mystery shop, so stay tuned for that. I think we're going to go back to uh, Stu with sure. some texts. That's okay, let's go. Uh, we have a text here from Steve in New Jersey, longtime texter. Good morning, Earl. This is Steve from New Jersey. I have a question for Rick. My new car has direct fuel injection. I've read that over time the intake valves can become clogged with carbon. What can I do to prevent this issue? Uh, most modern fuels have cleaners in them that will help to reduce that. The best thing you can do is to exercise the car. Um, figure about once every couple weeks, get out on the interstate somewhere and just drive at a 60, 70 miles an hour for about 45 minutes to an hour or more. It gives it a chance for things to really heat up and those carbon deposits to start to break down and loosen up because of the heat and the, the running of the engine and the deposits will usually break loose on their own. So if I get a ticket on I-95 for going 70, then I say Rick Kearney told me to exercise my car regularly, and uh, can you just give me a warning? Well, there's many areas of, of I-95 that are 70 <laughs> mile an hour limit. That's why I say 60 to 70 miles an hour. Nobody goes 55. I, I never will encourage anyone to exceed no. the speed limit, ever. That's good enough. So what would be, I, I asked you this question on keeping the battery charged too, but uh, as far as exercising a car against carbon deposits, uh, what, what, would, what would be the frequency? I guess it would depend on the car, right? I mean, uh, uh, direct fuel injected cars versus other types, but how often do I need to take the car out on the highway? I know people, particularly uh, older people that just, you know, putter around town like I do, they, they don't go on the highway anymore. So, so if, I, if I don't normally go on the highway, when should I be driving 70 miles an hour? How often and for how long? If you're someone that you only put, say, 150, 200 miles a month on your car, you, you don't really do a lot of big trips, and it's those little short little hops, mm -hmm. that's when you want to get out. And like I say again, 45 minutes to an hour 
even only 30 minutes can help, but up to an hour is the best. And just kind of take a nice drive somewhere. It doesn't even really need to be at, at 60 or 70, but just at highway speeds, 55, 60. Can you put a, put a brick on the accelerator in, in neutral and just rev it really high for an hour in your driveway? Uh, I wouldn't advise against okay. that one because you're really not exercising everything on the car that way. My, my thing is about every couple weeks, take a drive out to the Seminole Country and out in Indiantown. It's, it's not a bad drive, and it's a good 35, 40 minutes out, 35, 40 minutes back, and they put on a heck of a spread. That's a good place out there. A great idea, Rick. I think get uh, reservations. Cause good for the car and bad for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think Stu's been watching uh, Fuller's Tales. No, I, I take food <laughs> recommendations very seriously. I made a mental note. Well, okay, when do we, they close? <laughs> we're going to go to West Palm Beach where Mimi's been waiting. Good morning, Mimi. What can we do for you this morning? You there, Good Mimi? Good morning. Yeah. Uh, I have, uh, I've enjoyed, of course, your show. I have a question because I'm just listening to what you're saying. So just driving even 45 minutes at 35 miles an hour isn't enough. Is that what I'm understanding? It has to be higher? Uh, at 35 would be, would it would help do the job as long as it's just a good continuous drive like that. Yeah, for 45, half hour, 45 minutes. Right. I'm thinking West Palm to Delray or, you know, something like that. Yeah, that would, that would help to do it. Yeah, because I like to take the scenic route. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have other questions. Well, one is a remark. I just had the um, Dodge radiator uh, switched out, and um, the part at the dealer was 400 and something dollars, and the part at Advanced Auto Part. They gave a breakdown. It lists for three something, and they sell it for two something. Anyway, I was just like, "Why is there such a high markup on the dealers?" Do you? Well, they, the answer is it's like an old joke. Why do they do that? Because they can, and uh, unfortunately, uh, there's very little conscience or morals involved in uh, car dealership uh, retail, uh, whether it's a car or service or a part. Uh, the markups are already large in a parts department. A new car dealer uh, parts, our standard markup is uh, 40%. And if he can get away with 200% or 150%, he will. Uh, It's like anything else, you need to shop and compare. Uh, There's a great place you can shop parts. It's uh, probably the biggest independent parts uh, company maybe in the world. It's a Rock Auto, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. Rock, R-O-C-K. AUTO.com. They've got every part for every new car, used car you can possibly imagine. The parts are competitive. Uh, they don't charge for shipping. Uh, problem is, you've got to get them installed. So if you want to benefit, you have to go to the dealer and find out the breakdown between the cost of the part and the labor and say, well, I'm going to be bringing you the part and I'm going to hold you to your quotation on the labor and I haven't put the part in. Oh, okay, that's one thing. All right, now, as far as um, the next car goes, <laughs> the one that isn't moving much, I just go in and rev it up because it, it has problems with the engine. And when the uh, Dodge had trouble with the engine, it needed a modem. So um, I was wondering, what I, I like the, the mechanic that actually put the radiator in the, the Dodge fan, um, 
I was, I guess, should I, what should I ask him to see if he'll be able to diagnose the engine on the 2004 Mercury? What kind of question, what kind of machine should he have to figure it out? Uh, it's kind of hard to say because it, the, the best person to diagnose a Ford is a Ford mechanic. And for a Dodge, a Dodge mechanic, a Toyota, a Toyota yeah. mechanic. I've, I've got all the respect in the world for outside shops where the mechanics are working on all the brands, but you'll find that a lot of those shops, when it starts getting very technical, they will tell you, I'm sorry, you're going to have to take this to the dealer. It may be part of the reason is the that they, dealers have to spend a lot of money on very high-priced diagnostic equipment, and a little guy in a shop, he might be a great uh, technician and might know all about the car but he can't afford to pay $250,000 for a diagnostic machine. Yep. And so the car dealers are required by the manufacturers to invest heavily in the state-of-the-art diagnostic. If uh, you're a Honda dealer and a new diagnostic machine comes out, they don't ask you, they tell you, you gotta buy this new machine and it's gonna cost you $100,000 or $200,000. The little guy uh, in the shop can't afford that. Now that's not to say he might be as good or better than the technician at the Honda dealership, but you can't get the diagnosis without the machine. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, well, that's part of it. The other thing is, um, once uh, they diagnose it, um, do places like Advanced Auto Part? I just I could ask them. Do they carry modems and sensors and things like that, or are they all dealer parts? I'm not sure what part you mean by a modem. Because a modem is a, a computer part that lets your telephone talk to your computer, um, but oh, oh, that uh, okay. And then uh, when it relates to the engine, let's see. On the Dodge, we had it replaced, and um, and I'm just thinking. I guess it was a sensor or something like that for yeah, the engine. Yeah, auto auto supplies will carry all those sensors. They'll oh, have them okay. all. Oh, good. Well, that's good to know. Okay, because when I put the gas on the um, Mercury, it, uh, it'll run in the parking spot. But um, the minute I take my foot off the gas, it, it will fade away. <laughs> it just, you know, stops running. So That sounds I'm like wondering. it might be an issue with the throttle body. Oh, so that's not a computer part. Uh, well, it, they're actually, uh, almost every part on the engine now is controlled by the computer. But oh. when they, you know, when you have the guy diagnose it, he'll be able to tell from that what you're looking for. Oh, but I have to take that to the dealer, probably. Yeah, maybe uh, a good idea is, uh, unfortunately, uh, people will take advantage of people that are not mechanically inclined, and most, uh, most of us are not. And so you, uh. you need to find, if you haven't got a mechanic, or a repair service uh, company that you trust and your friends tell you about it and you've been with them and you can verify they're good people. If you don't have that, you, then you need to get several opinions. So if you have a problem with your vehicle, uh, take it to, uh, you should take it to the dealer, but the dealer probably is gonna be higher priced. If you're gonna have it mm -hmm. replaced or repaired by an independent, go to a couple independent and get uh, some kind of a consensus. Uh, you don't want to go into one guy and take his opinion for it because you might be spending money you don't even have to spend and way more than yeah. you have to. But if, well, if they know you're shopping and comparing, they, they tend to be more honest. 
Okay, the, the whole crux is I can't drive it because of that. You know, mm. it just won't hold driving. So um, I'm going to have to have it towed. That's why I'm <laughs> kind yeah. of stuck. When, you, when it doesn't move, you're stuck. And either I'm going to have it towed to um, the man I had to work replace the radiator, mm. or I'll have to have it towed to the dealer. Well, where, wherever you where you have it towed, I, I tow it to the dealer, yeah. and uh, uh, and then yeah. insist that you get an estimate of what it's going to take. If they if they won't give you an estimate because they say we just don't know, we got to do this, then call another service to, uh, department and tell them you should have someone at least be able to give you a suggestion of a relatively minor cost before you are all in and totally committed. Once they have your car taken apart, you're at their mercy, and you could be, yeah. you don't know whether you're talking $200 or $2,000 or $5,000. Rick had a point. One thing you might consider is uh, look for some of these guys that are doing what's called mobile mechanics, where they have their, their equipment all in a van, and they will come to you, and if you call them and ask them how much would it cost for them to come out and give you a diagnosis and an estimate, and you know, ha let them know you're going to get it double-checked, but check into that, and they come out to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think my husband had somebody a long time, like, you know, 20 years ago do that. Yeah. Of course, he's retired. Oh, that's a good suggestion. So I can go to the mechanic. I can go to the dealer. I can have someone come to me since it doesn't move. Yeah. You know? There you um, go. But no matter what you do, before you sign anything, uh, be sure you get an estimate before they go any further. Sometimes they can get to point A, but they say, okay, uh, you spent $100 now, but to get to the next point, you, we need another 150 All of that is better than just saying, uh, fix it. Because if you do oh, that, you're giving them a blank check. Stages. Don't give anybody a blank check. Call us next week, maybe, and let us know how it worked out. We wish oh, you the best. Oh, it's going to take me a while. i got to clean it up first. Okay. I, I, I used it for storage. Okay. Hey, Mimi. Uh, hey, Mimi. Yes. Uh, I just wanted yes. to, I want to tell you be, before we let you go that uh, you sound pretty informed. Uh, great call, great questions, and uh, I don't oh. think you're going to get taken advantage of. It sounds like as if you've got a lot of knowledge, but do keep us posted and always be okay. careful. I mean, always be careful. Yeah. So let us know what happens. Oh, yeah. I got taken once. I was uh, at a, a tire place, yeah. and the guy talked. I was tired. And, uh, you know, it was later, well, not later, I just was really tired. And he says, oh, I just want an alignment. And I have, like, um, yeah. a contract with them. This and he said, uh, oh, I can't align it because the wheel, something is wrong with it, with something underneath the car. I forget. I used to know those terms. Definitely. Anyway, and, um, and he, he said, you're going to need um, an axle or something. And I said, uh, Okay, you know, but then, then one thing led to me as well. When we get in there, we might find that there's something else wrong with it. Can we go ahead and fix that? That was the wrong thing to say. Call us next week. We'd love to hear how this works okay. out. And we got some other okay. callers waiting. Yes, we do. We oh, good, run. good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 877 -960 -9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, I'm going to share a text with uh, everyone from uh, Michigan. Uh, Karen writes us that uh, she was advised to stay clear of hybrids because they cost a lot to repair 
or replace parts. Uh, I think uh, Rick can answer that question for you, Karen. No, uh, you're wrong, Karen. Modern Lord. hybrids are, are so much better quality that yeah. the, you know, the technology now has increased to the point that Amazing. they're better than some of the gasoline cars out there. The cost mm -hmm. of maintenance and repair on, on, on a good hybrid, I mean, they're bad hybrids, just like they're bad everything, yeah. but on a good hybrid, uh, the cost of repair and maintenance is lower, yeah. and uh, it's a much better vehicle than a gasoline-powered car. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The luxury of the hybrid, uh, you know, today's cars are just totally amazing. So much less maintenance and less cost. So hope we answered your question, Karen. Thanks for the text. Now back to Stu. Yeah, you pay a lot less money for a, a brake replacement on a hybrid because the regenerative yep. braking. Okay, uh, this is a text that came in. It says, what should happen if you catch a pricing mistake on a dealership website that's in my favor? Should the mistake be honored? What if it's thousands of dollars? If you read the fine print, you'll probably find out that it's uh, that the, uh, this, they have a fine print that covers them on that. And uh, uh, you, can, you can challenge them. Uh, and uh, maybe successfully. Uh, it depends on what the fine print says. Also, is it credible that it was a mistake or was it a bait and switch uh, sort of thing? Yeah. I would say, you know, I guess you can, it's up to you if you want to argue for it. I mean, if you're looking at, say, uh, a whole bunch of Honda Civics and they're all priced, they're all the same car, they're priced the same way, and one of them is like $10,000 or less, um, that probably that sounds like a mistake to me, but. Um, you know, it's, it's worth taking a shot. You know, there's a fine print that says not responsible yeah. for typographical errors or, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you read the fine print, if this lawyer has a, if this attorney checks with his lawyer before he runs ads, he's covered everything. But you can still have a valid lawsuit. You lawyers out there listening, uh, as Stu said, if there is clear intent to defraud and it was clearly not typographical, yeah then you would have a case. But yeah. uh, you, you always ask, always challenge him. Sometimes you uh, find the dealer will give you the price because he made a mistake. I can tell you right now that a, a, a pricing mistake is easy and as advanced technologically as car dealerships are now. Uh, there, is a, uh, there is a manual entry point um, when the dealer is putting in their, their pricing information and it's silly. That's changing in the, in the near future. But right now, um, for example, at our dealership, if uh, we get a, a car wholesale to us from our distributor, um, it's a physical a manual entry on a keyboard, um, and if somebody fat fingers a price, um, that will eventually translate to the website pricing. So. Okay. All right. Uh, you got any YouTubes over there? I don't want to monopolize. I've got two real quick ones. Why don't you take them? Uh, first one is Cow Go Down the Trail. Ooh. Still love that name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the newer Prius models don't come with a spare tire. Nope. Is there a space down under the rear cargo to put a donut spare from an 08 Prius if I have one? I can address this. Because we are dealing with this with a, um, a customer who, uh, where we failed to be very clear about that. And it wasn't intentional, um, but this is a new phenomenon. And not just Toyota's, a lot of, uh, lot of manufacturers are, to get the weight down, are doing tire repair kits and those filler things uh, and not giving, a, a, not even a donut, just nothing. And um, there isn't space in the well for it to accommodate your 208 Prius spare. But, um, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is a, uh, it's done safely. We, we have run into customers who have done this with like, a, there's a tie down system and foam where they, it goes into the patchback and, the, and the, the spare is secured in the back. It's not ideal, but it looks okay. 
and it gives somebody a little bit more peace of mind um, for a spare. So it's possible to do, and we're working on that right now with the customer, same situation. Hmm. On a note with that too, these cars that come with the uh, repair kits, if they have a can that's that foam in fix-a-flat stuff, avoid that. I highly recommend do not use it because if you use that, you will have to replace the tire. Even if that tire simply went flat in your driveway and is repairable, you will not be, be able to re repair that tire if you use that foam fix-a-flat. And a lot of that stuff also destroys those tire pressure sensors, meaning another couple hundred dollars cost yeah. to you. I'm thinking there's got to be a better solution for the whole uh, spare a little tire thing. 25 to $30 air pump that plugs into your cigarette lighter can put your tire back up and if it's if it's going to hold air for long enough to get you to a repair shop that will save you a huge yeah. amount of money because a lot of places now will patch a tire for free or for 10 or 15 dollars versus a couple hundred dollars to replace a tire and maybe four or five hundred if you have to replace the sensor yeah. as well i bet you the manufacturers when they made that decision thought they probably had statistics that said, you know, 94% of everybody that gets a flat tire calls a roadside service. Nobody's changing their flats anymore. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But even the roadside service puts the spare yeah. tire on for you. That's true. Great information. Yeah. Uh, I have a text to share. It's from Diane. And uh, she says that she has a 2010 Ford Flex with a replacement computer that is not running and needs replaced again in less than a few months. Shop said warranty doesn't cover replacements since it got water in it somehow. Sounds crazy to me. Uh, water and electronics do not mix. So unfortunately, warrant, unless the original reason for the water, say if a, a water leak that was still covered under warranty, then it should be covered under warranty. But if the car's out of warranty or whatever caused the water to get in is not a warrantable condition, then no, nope, it won't be. Sorry, Karen. There you go. Give us a text again. Let us know how things turned out for you. And one last one here. Mark Ryan is saying, with the fuel filter being positioned in the gas tank these days, do you recommend ever changing the fuel filter as part of routine maintenance? Nope. Really? Fuel filters last forever. They're, they're the life of the car now. Amazing. 877-960-9960 or you can text us 772-497-6530 uh, do you want to mention Earl this uh, article that you gave me oh, very yeah. interesting yeah, on the, how uh, the art magazine I, I, I brought that you know, did you know that the art magazine AARP American Association of I get Retired that. People yeah, this is the largest <laughs> circulated magazine in the world did you know that? I, I never realized that. Bogies um, love it. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's got good information in there. Nancy found something really good, and uh, it's kind of like the stuff we talk about on the show about how can you fix something or yeah. take it and yeah, uh, this uh, auto maintenance, um, and they give you a guide to to the modern auto maintenance, which. Well, I still can't get used to every time I lift the hood of my uh, vehicle. But ju just for you know, an example, dipsticks showed if you had enough oil and automatic transmission fluid. There, that was a time a long time ago for brake power, steering, and windshield water, uh, windshield washer fluids. Uh, you just eyeballed uh, the uh, reservoir for coolant, 
you pop the radiator cap and look. So this yeah. guide tells you yeah, the, uh, premise the for, modern for, for, for maintenance. For all people that are used to doing things the way we did, I'm one of them, 25 years ago, yeah. and we think about that, and they say, uh, this is the way I used to do it, what do we do now? And it kind of brings you up to the 21st century. Yeah, you often remind me of that. It's yeah. the 21st century, Nancy. We don't do it like that anymore. So. It, it was fun back then, so everything has changed. And it's a little easier, you know, our, uh, our vehicles uh, run longer, uh, there's less maintenance, and uh, but this here modern auto maintenance guide yeah, uh, is worth taking a look at. You probably have a copy, maybe you throw it away. I mean, uh, most of our audience is over 55, so if you're 55 plus, you qualify. 50. 50, okay, if you're 50, so that's probably 90% of our audience. Grab this if you threw it in the trash. Pick it out and read this uh, this article. Stu's Stu slumped to, to the side here. <laughs> I'm thinking of him. I say he's 50. 50. He looks like as if that he's like 19. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to, for them to open up movie theaters again so I can get my discount. <laughs> All right, we have a text here. Uh, it says how do how can I prevent rodent in, rodent intrusion in my 2015 Tacoma? I live in Virginia and I've had rat invasions the last two winters. Aren't there common points of entry for the rats? Is there any kind of barrier, barrier that can be installed? You can put cheese around your neighbor's car, and they will... <laughs> no? You're, you're, you're into trapping these days, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, decoy. I mean, <laughs> girl has a, you decoy the rat, too. If you have a neighbor you don't like, just put a bunch of cheese around his car. Um, Earl's in a conflict with an armadillo these days. Uh, I'm the rat trapper. <laughs> He's trapping armadillos, and I'm, I'm trapping the fox. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I don't know if there is or not, Rick, and I can tell you one thing just from my extensive knowledge of rodents. Uh, they can uh, get into very, very, very tiny spaces, so I'm not sure if there is a, uh, any obvious points of entry. There's uh, the, the first one is going to be where your fresh air intake is for your air conditioning, and there's very little that you're going to put there that a determined rat or mouse is not going to go through because yeah. even a metal screen, they can chew through it. they'll chew through it in minutes. Uh, probably the best thing you could try is put some mothballs up in that area. Believe it or not, rodents generally do not like the smell of mothballs. Well, neither do we. Neither so do I. Mean, uh, yeah, it's also an environmental <laughs> hazard, um, a mothball. So. If you want your car to smell yeah. like your grandmother's closet. I got a better <laughs> idea. A cat. You put a cat in the car. No, 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 no. No? Right. They, they, they'll die of heat. Back, heat, to, the, heat. Oh, <laughs> back to the 21st century. Carl called me out on that because... I'm a mothball girl, but he said this is the 21st century now. Back it up. Yeah, <laughs> Rick, didn't you say a long time ago that Honda wrapped their uh, wiring yeah. and their thing in a in a product that, that was a rat deterrent? Right. It has uh, capsaicin red pepper in it. Uh, really? The, the yeah. drawback to rats that don't is like spicy food. Yeah. You've got to use gloves when you're installing it, and you don't want to touch your face or anything else like that because. But is this is this a Honda standard? It's uh, something that they will put on if they need it, if oh. you need it as an environmental thing. Mm. And it's available in now. Amazon, everybody else, I think, has this capsaicin-infused tape. And when you bring it in for a service, warn your technician. Well, there's. it's actually, <laughs> when you look at this tape, it actually has a little drawing of a mouse with the circle and cross oh. across it. So you can tell, hey, you, this you, is some... Do you see that? In the do you see that in the shop? You, Every you once in a while. <laughs> it's rare, but we have seen it. Yep. Uh. Hmm. I wonder if it works. I wonder if it works on armadillos. 
I don't know about armadillos. Why don't you just yeah, you could spray the area um, around the, the turtle nest. Yeah. Nobody knows what we're talking what we're talking yeah, about. Be, okay. Well the last time we had an armadillo <laughs> problem I just called Bush Wildlife. Yeah. They set up a trap and took took so, the no, Yeah, now we visit the armadillo all the time. We name them <laughs> Army. <laughs> okay, right. let's move along. Folks. Okay. Um, here's a text. It says I don't understand the difference of offlease.com by an accident damage buying accident damaged cars at an auction and selling them at his l- at his lot. I believe this is a voice to text because this looks like a text from my wife. <laughs> There's words that are are co- kind of close. Let me try it again. I don't understand the difference of off lease com buying an accident damaged cars at an auction and sell them at his lot. Um, or buying hail damaged cars in an auction selling them a lot, I don't get the difference. Well, the uh, the difference is when off-lease only buys a car, they buy it at a very, very low price, and they pass a lot of the savings along to the customer. Uh, if you bought a car from off-lease only, love to hear some people who dealt with off-lease only because they sell a huge number of used cars, high, very high volume, and respected, and they're on our recommended list. So when they buy the car at the discount because of the damage, they pass the savings along to the buyer. What they also do is give full disclosure about the damage, and most of the cases, they do not sell cars that have safety-related issues. We had um, Mark Fisher, the uh, end owner and one of the executives for Off Lease Only, called the show last week. Uh, I think, was it last week or the week before? Last week. And, last week. Uh, they, they, they say that this all goes back to the old-fashioned idea of anything with frame damage is dangerous to drive. And since cars went from a, a, a X-frame kind of a, a, a construction to a unibody, the whole body is essentially functioning as a frame, then they can be repaired and be very safe. So off-lease only is taking advantage by buying these cars and passing along the savings. This lease, this Greco, uh, Mazda in Del Rey, they were buying the hail damage cars, not disclosing that that wasn't their hail damage, and uh, and making the customer believe that they were saving money when they really weren't. Well, they so, weren't because the, the the big crime was the now I, we don't know how much Greco paid for these cars, but yeah. the value of the car they're selling for twenty seven thousand dollars. The value on the wholesale market is around nineteen thousand. Yeah. So that's not a good deal. Not a good deal. Okay. Okay, we're going to go to Frank, and uh, Frank calls us from Jupiter Farms. Uh, we probably have a continuation of the saga out there in Jupiter Farms. And Frank, good morning. Well, good morning to you guys. It's always a pleasure to wake up and hear you guys with the you know Clint Eastwood movie theme coming through, and knowing that you guys are there. And, oh, thanks. And um, but um, on our continuing saga. Um, that will still continue. I don't want to say too much on the air. Um, we'll get back with you definitely next weekend. There should be a, a, a conclusion to that. But since I live in Jupiter Farms, and the last guest was speaking about rats, I said, boy, the Zillia had that base covered. And let me explain why. Um, we have a chicken coop. Oh and it actually belongs to the county. They come out every two weeks. Huh. and bleed the chickens to test for West Nile virus, Zika, huh. malaria, and if they find it, and they spray for mosquitoes, and we're like the canary in the old coal mine, once they get you know, tested positive, then they spray for the mosquitoes, and we save everyone in town, and thanks to my diligence and my chickens, um, diseases are, are not spread. 
So there's I'm patting myself on the back. Oh, but now you. I'm back to the rats. Fascinating. Back to the rats. That's great. The chicken, yeah. Oh no, it's, and they're really cool. I mean, they're really cool chickens. They they're they're not like any other chickens. We let them out. They're free ranging. Um, Anne Marie will cook rice for them and cut up lettuce and tomatoes, and they flock to her. No pun intended when they see her wow. to have the um, food to eat and stuff. And it's it's just really neat. She was a city girl. Now we're in quote unquote Green Acres. You know, darling, give me Park Avenue. Oh, yeah, when, when there you, you go. When you, bleed a, when you bleed a chicken, I, I assume it's done humanely. You just gotta prick his finger. No, no, it's, it's not quite like diabetes. They um they take these chickens and hold them upside down, uh-huh. and they have a syringe and they go in their wing area and pull a, oh. a good amount of blood out. Okay. And they're a little stressed out. I um, mean, but um, it's just you know it's a chicken and they're they're good about it. Wow. And the cage is a remarkable cage. The wire is like quarter inch wire by a half inch or so. But you don't think anything could get in there. That's a better really? now, it's, I follow yeah, the chicken, well, I what, prefer that to Kentucky Fried. Oh, yeah. It, it keeps the um, bobcats and raccoons from having a chicken thing. Wow, we need a little bit of that wire, Frank. But 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 here's what, what the problem is. Huh? You look at a rat, they can squeeze through anything. a space that's unbelievable. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. They'll chew through one little piece of wire, and I've seen rats, and, you know, full-grown rats going through a, a half-inch space. It's It's truly incredible. Yeah. But here's what does keep them away. Obviously, unfortunately, we had a beautiful feral cat that was just a great cat. It was a blue-eyed Siamese cat that showed up here years ago. And um, I, I gave him an appropriate name. I called him Sinatra. <laughs> but um, Sinatra <laughs> took care of the rats, yeah, the it. moles. <laughs> but but when, he, when he passed on, the rats have gone crazy. So here's the thing, and they got in my, uh, I guess I'll say it, my Cadillac that I sold. Oh, my goodness, there was rat feces. It looked like it was unbelievable. And I think they came out through the air handler. And how they got in the trunk, I mean, it's incredible where they squeeze. Yeah. But the one thing that will keep them out, mothballs does work. Yeah. But just a really simple thing, Irish spring soap. They mm. hate Irish spring soap. That's better than mothballs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So I encourage people that have that Yukon and other cars, just put a, a bar to an Irish spring soap in the trunk. Uh-huh. And it doesn't. It's not a bad air freshener either. It kind of, you know. Makes you feel like you actually got a got a shower that day or something. So mm-hmm. I guess the soap company wouldn't want to use that as an advertisement. The great keeping away the rats. Yeah, no, it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't make me want to buy a bar of Irish Spring soap. It might, you know, I, I don't mind keeping the rats away. <laughs> yeah. What was the song? Wasn't there like a jingle? Never mind, I'll think of it. Well, Frank, that's fascinating. You know, you're amazing. Uh, you're a very interesting guy. I mean, I'm, how can you top that? He's got he raises chickens. And, and they bleed them once a week to uh, help solve the West Nile virus problem. I mean, what an interesting life you have. I love it. And you got the ch- the anti-rat chicken thing and and the uh, Sinatra of the cat. Uh, you ought to you know you ought to do books. You ought to write a book or something, and uh, and it would sell. I mean, you're a very interesting guy. No, it's, it's nice out here, and um, um, you know, of course, yesterday was 9/11. Yeah. And um. Yeah. That particular day, I, I I was with American Airlines as a captain, and oh, my whole wow. life changed, of course. Wow. But um, so anyway, it's um no, I I look back and I feel I had a very blessed life in a lot of manners and yeah. a lot of things, and um some people take advantage of our trust. Sure. Um, being pilots, we trust people sometimes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, on, on that banker, subject, um, let me let me ask a question. I just uh, you were you were in the air when nine eleven happened, or you were. Or had you flown, you were still on the ground? I was actually at home. And the, the, the ironic thing, you talk about irony, in my entire life, 
I have never had a dream about being hijacked until September 10th. Mm -hmm. I had not one, not two, but three distinct dreams that night. Um, And it was scary when I actually saw it happening on TV. Yeah. Gosh. Amazing. Well... You, you definitely ought to write a book. You have uh, led a very, very interesting life, and we, we feel privileged that you call our show yep. regularly, and I hope you keep on doing it. We love you. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going um, to – Stu knows um, I will have an update because I tried contacting that number today, and they're closed, so okay. we'll leave yeah. that. You'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Talk That's to you all soon. I'll talk to you Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Frank. Bye-bye. Frank, thanks for the call. We love hearing from you. 877-960-9960. And you can text us at 772-497-6530. You know, I'm going to go back to Diane. Uh, Diane is from uh, uh, Jersey. And, uh, Rick, this was uh, this was about uh, her vehicle, that 2020, uh, or excuse me, 2010 Ford Flex, and the replacement computer, computer that, uh, that uh, got the water, everything got the water. And, and she asked a question. She said she thought that was sealed that part was sealed so how would water get in uh, with the insurance company questioning her about this water uh, she says she doesn't go four-wheeling or anything she's just simply on the road well it's going to depend on on the car some cars the computers out under the hood and those are completely sealed against water entry but if the computer is inside the car they're generally not and you'd have to find out where the water came from well, there you go, Karen. Uh, stay in touch and let us know what happened. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, or you can t- take advantage of uh, your anonymous feedback. We'd love to hear from you. www.youranonymousfeedback.com. I think we're going to go back to Stu. Okay, yeah, we got text are coming in. Uh, hi, can you please talk about the best way to prolong the life of a clutch? I just installed a new clutch in my car, and I noticed vibrations fully depressing the clutch above 2,500 RPM. Is there, there's, a, there's a low vibration, but it's noticeable. My dual-mass flywheel has worn. However, they replaced that. I put, out a, I put a South Bend clutch in my car, but I'm wondering if they used a stock single-mass flywheel in the car instead of the one supplied in the kit. Could this be causing the vibrations in the clutch? Uh, warranty on my car covered the labor for the flywheel as well as the stock part. I think this is an attempt to stump Rick because I am stumped. I have no clue what he's talking about with the flywheel. Uh, Every flywheel I've ever seen is simply a big steel plate that's bolted to the back of the engine and the clutch disc goes in between the clutch plate and the flywheel. So if it's a special design A dual mass flywheel? And it was not installed properly then yes, that certainly could cause issues. I guess um, we need more. Humming, humming, humming. Yeah, we need more information. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, take a take a picture and uh, and and you know, text or email it to us. And if Rick sees the device, would you say if he saw the device in the engine, would that help you? It would help. Yeah. What what did they call that flywheel? A, a dual mass. Dual mass. Dual mass. A dual mass flywheel. Hmm. Google it. I'm going to do okay. that. Okay, you do that, we'll move on to Mark's text. Mark's from Pum- Mark from Palm Beach Gardens. It says, in reference to purchasing a collision-damaged car, pretty soon there will be a company that will perform an inspection to verify the extent of the collision damage to a car that someone maybe would consider buying. Peace of mind objective is helpful. 
there is a company uh, that does that, and it's uh, oh gosh, I'm gonna brain fart right here and there. I think it's like Frame, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but basically you have True Frame, and uh, dealers use them to uh, to come in to certify whether or not there is um, structural or damage that's gonna result. True Frame. True Frame. True Frame. True Frame. And um, and I think it's about three hundred bucks. They come out, they check out the car, do an inspection, and then they certify it. Uh, that the structural damage, and Earl's talked about this a lot, um, is does not have an impact on the uh, drivability or the safety of the vehicle. And they're available to uh, retail Don't as well know. as car dealers? Don't know. Yeah. Um, but we know, uh, we know that they do a service for, for car dealers. Um, I would be surprised if they... Google and find out if they're available to retail. TrueFrame. True, true TrueFrame, T-R-U-E-F-R-A-M-E. Yep. That's an excellent question, and we should get a precise answer because... Uh, car dealers were kind of on their own until this came along, and we use them all the time, and I would think any car dealer would have to use them. Uh, when you take a car through mm -hmm. the auction, yep. if you've got a true frame... Well, the blessing, auction uses them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Mannheim, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of like the... It's almost like a monopoly, as far as I know, but they're, they're a trusted company, kind of like uh, Carfax. Um, they do. They they yeah. retail customers. So there's a whole there's a dealer side and there's a consumer side. Yeah. And uh, you go to trueframe.com, and uh, and you can probably um, I don't know if they post their uh, their prices or you can, I'm sure there's a way to contact them and ask them how much do they charge to come inspect a car that you're either buying or one that you want to sell. Are you are you uh, sure about your estimate there about three hundred bucks? That's yeah. That's, that's for a dealer. That's what we pay. Yeah. Yeah. So three hundred bucks. Uh, if you have a dealer friend and they want to charge you more, uh, ask a dealer to uh, do you a favor. You might buy a car from them, give them some incentive, and have them true frame come in and check your car. And that way you really know exactly. That might not be a bad idea if you're buying a car, that's, but that's a lot of money. On, on true frame, their consumer side for the consumer, uh, as opposed to the for the dealer section, it says order your inspection now as low as 149 Oh, well, that's probably a, get you in the door, but yeah, it's probably like a yeah. cursory one. And then but try it. That's right. In fact, yeah. what we got to do is maybe they're screwing the dealers instead of the consumers. <laughs> uh, we'll tell. We'll, we'll. I'll call Ted. We'll, yeah, we'll tell them we're. We a get consumer. the man, We have the man. We have yeah. the Mannheim price. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that dual mass flywheel. Uh, apparently, this is a design for when you're running smaller, three and four cylinder engines. Huh. It's actually a flywheel that has almost a, a spring-loaded torque converter inside it. So, yeah, if it, if the car was, the clutch was intended to you have a watch dual out for those, flywheel. you got to watch out for the spring-loaded torque convert converters. Yeah. Well, we have pictures <laughs> coming in here. So. But if, if they did not install it when it was meant to have it, then yes, according to this site, it would cause vibrations. Okay, so I am now sending you pictures of this, and then we'll move on to another text, but check it out, Rick. Oh, you got a picture? Oh yeah, we got. Oh, our, oh he's. He, we already got. We got I a love that. That's so. We're so, so high tech. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean the fact that we can transmit images at the speed of light across yeah, the world. Yeah, you folks out there with uh, <laughs> with the issues in your car, uh, pictures, text them to Rick or email them to Rick, and it'll, it'll really get a, a a more refined opinion. Yeah, twenty first century. While Rick's studying the picture, let's go to another text. Okay, let's jump over to anonymous feedback because we haven't done that yet. Um, Okay. Um, good morning, afternoon in your case. Uh, your view, in case your viewers are not aware of the following. Mannheim, KBB, Kelly Blue Book, Autotrader, Dealer.com, HomeNet, V-Auto, Vin Solutions, Dealer Track, F&I Express, and a few others are all owned by Cox Automotive. 
Cox Automotive is owned by Cox Enterprises, and we are very familiar with that. Cox Enterprises has have been buying up automobile-related uh, companies left and right. Matter of fact, we use pretty much every service and company that you just listed in your yeah. in your feedback. And it's worrisome, I'll be honest with you, because uh, you wonder when one giant entity owns a bunch of smaller entities, is there there is an influence? And uh, I suspect, uh, as a car dealer, I suspect that they're not as tough on their uh, what's the word integrity and, and specificity, uh, and like in pricing and other things. Uh, when your customer uh, is also the person you're reporting on, now remember, Kelly Blue Book uh, uh, is owned, uh, Kelly Blue Book is owned by Cox, but Kelly Blue Book has a customer that pays, pays them, and that's a car dealer. So how hard are you going to be on your customer if you get attack a customer, they're going to stop being your customer. So I'm a little suspicious of all of those, and I... I, I I, I wish uh, I'm not one to believe in, in antitrust or Justice Department intervention with business, but I think maybe that's something somebody ought yeah. to look into. Now, I have a different take on that, and that's sure. because most of those car dealer-facing programs, um, car dealers have, you can't even count the number of computer systems that they have to deal with, and they don't talk to each other. The one good thing about the them acquiring multiple things is they've integrated certain things like the system that we use to manage our inventory speaks to the system that use, does our appraisals and the one that do, puts the information up on the website. Since they've consolidated that, it's definitely a lot less confusing, a lot less work, but the danger is it's there just from any monopoly sort of thing. Once they own every property a car dealer does, then they're kind of beholden to that company and if they raise prices, there's not a lot of alternatives to go out there. And, well, my, uh, point, yeah. my point was like with True Car. Oh, yeah. And True Car uh, was the most honest, transparent, effective pricing machine to help a, a consumer buy a car at a fair price. And the car dealers didn't like it. The car dealers were their customer. They get paid by car dealers. So all the car dealers said, screw you. Uh, we're not going to do business with you. They boycotted True Car and almost put them out of business. So, uh, when you—that's the reason I love Consumer Reports. They don't have any customers that can attack them. Uh, they are supported by donations. So, anytime you have money involved, when a car dealer is paying a company, uh, there is reason to be suspicious that there not not be arm's length opinion being given on that on those car dealers. So just something to think about. All those are good names, uh, Edmonds and Kelly Blue Book. By the way, was True Car, no, was uh, uh, Auto Trader on there? Um, Auto, yeah, they own yeah. Auto Trader and, and Mannheim. See, and, yeah. see, Auto Trader is a huge example because if you've listened to the show before, Auto Trader advertises prices on virtually every used car uh, sold in America. If uh, everybody that's in the used car business has to be on other trader, it's a, almost a monopoly. And uh, when they advertise those prices, they're not true. They are, they are artificially lower than they can than you can buy the car for. They do not reveal the dealer installed accessories. They do not reveal the hidden fees, multiple dealer fees. You can have an auto trader price that can. Uh, that can be $3,000 lower than you can actually buy the, the car for. And how do they get away with it? They don't like it, I'm sure, but if they, if they were to force the dealers to put their real price on the car, 
the dealers would say, screw you, Autotrader, maybe. I, you know, because they're almost a monopoly, it'd be hard to do. That's my example. Okay, moving along. 931. Hi, Earl. Can you ask Roger or your body shop guy or your detail guy? I don't know. We don't know Roger. Um, detail guy, what exactly um, we should use to clean the interior of our Toyota's dash, infotainment screen, and, and soft tax le leather? Inquiring minds want to know. Rick? I would use a microfiber cloth with just plain water. And if you have any horrible stains on there, I would try a very, very, very mild soap. Yeah. But test it in some spot you can't see first. Yeah, down on the side of the seat or yeah. something, yeah. What is a microfiber uh, better than a cotton cloth or a... Uh, Doesn't shed. I, I like microfiber because you don't have any anything coming off of it. Okay. Everything stays in, in the cloth and it less chance of scratching and yeah. it does clean incredibly well. The, the so dust thing with all the nice shiny surfaces and the dark colors um, gets really dusty. I keep a microfiber right in the center console, yeah. and it's, it's, I can't hear anything. Anyway, it's pretty miraculous. It gets, in two seconds, it dusts off your car, and uh, it looks, cool. looks like brand new. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. It's great right. products. Okay. Uh, more anonymous feedback. Earl, I watched your video, How to Negotiate the Auto Lease Price, and I can't agree with your comment to, quote, negotiate the lowest purchase price first. Seriously? Why wouldn't you simply negotiate the out-the-door price? You lost all credibility with me at three minutes and four seconds. I won't watch any of your videos now just based on that comment below. Clearly, you just like to listen to yourself talk. Your, air quotes, advice is average at best. Can, can, can I defend my dad here for a second? I'm sure you want oh. me to. Pass me, a, <laughs> pass me a Kleenex. He got me crying. No, no, actually, actually, there's some validity to your... Your, your attack. <laughs> uh, you can just negotiate the, the, pay, the payment price as long as you negotiate it with apples and apples and aren't. You've got to be sure that if you're going to go to three or four dealers and compare the price, uh, you'd be sure you have the exact same car. You have to be sure you have the same number of uh, miles allowed. You have to have the uh, you have to be aware of any hidden fees that could be tapped in. You have to be sure it's an out-the-door payment. But th there's, a, there's a problem with that. Okay. And an out-the-door price includes uh, sales tax, and in South Florida it's around 7%. Um, when you're leasing a car, you, you, that would not be part of the out-the-door price. So Why? Because you, you don't pay sales tax in the full purchase price of the I car. I you paid on the payment. I'm saying that if you shop no, the I'm payment. Saying, he's you know. saying to get an out-the-door price inclusive of everything and use that as your baseline for the, to negotiate your lease, but that would be too high of a price. Well, the, the out-the-door price on a that you as long as you are comparing it with three different dealers. If I if I'm buying a if I'm leasing a Honda Civic with an MSRP of twenty-five thousand dollars, and I get an uh, I get an out-the-door price from Honda dealer A, B, and C, and D. Then yep. I I I get the lowest price, and I decide I want to lease. I say, okay, I want you to use this as a capitalized cost plus the sales tax, uh, and or you could ask for an out-the-door price without the sales tax. Uh, it doesn't make any difference, but it gives. It's a simpler way. When you say a monthly payment, there's too many ways they can flim-flam you. It could be a 42-month lease instead of a 24-month lease. You're, you know, but when you gave the advice, the point was um, when people are getting a lease payment, they're not focusing on a purchase price, and so they get a, get a payment. So if you get a purchase price on the car, yes, on if you're purchasing it, they get out a whole bunch of equipment on there, and you still got to watch out for that. 
but his point was to get an outdoor price inclusive of everything and use that to negotiate the lease payment. Uh, yeah, it is, it's, it's you'd a, be ripping it's yourself hard, off. It's, it's harder to do that. Yeah. And, and the, the big lion's share of a lease payment is the capitalized cost. The capitalized cost is the same thing as the selling price. So if you have a car, and what happens oftentimes, people go in and get a really good deal on a car, and they say, I changed my mind, I think I'll lease. Usually that's being influenced by the salesperson. So you flip them to a lease, and then you can jack the price up, and they don't know the difference. But if you insist that they use the, the selling price as a capitalized cost, they can't pull that trick right. on you. So, right. it's so I, st I stand behind your video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both things are, are good. The capitalized cost is easier by selling price. Okay, we're running short of time. Uh, we got time, a couple more text. Okay, uh, here's a quick one. Hello, I love the show. Wish there was more dealerships like yours. A true price and new dealership fees, at least no dealership fees. Have you considered buying another dealership from someone else? Even if it's not a Toyota dealership, I hope you or your sons will be able to have other locations. Keep up the great work. Wish you, your family, and everyone the best. Oh, I get asked that you. question a lot. Yes, we are looking for other car dealerships, and uh, we're looking for the right franchise in the right area. And the problem is it's just very difficult to buy, especially in South Florida. It's kind of like the promised land for car dealers, mm -hmm. and the price of car dealerships in South Florida is prohibitively high. And, uh, yeah, if you know anyone that would like to sell a car dealership in this area, we'd love to talk to them. Okay. I think Nancy wants to do a book commercial. Yeah, I think I'll take advantage of that. Um, you can always pick up Earl's Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer. And uh, what a book it is. It's something to have very close to you. Lots of information in there. And don't forget that uh, all proceeds go to Big Dog Ranch. Uh, you can go to Amazon to purchase the book. So pick it up, Confessions of a Recovering Car Dealer. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, we're going to go to the Mystery Shopping Report. We probably have some more text we can get to at the end of the Mystery Shopping Report. And uh, so keep the text coming. We're going to turn off the switchboard they so have the indeed. calls can't come through. Yes. And because we, this is the highlight of the show anyway, the Mystery Shopping Report. And it's something that I want to credit Stu and Josh, my sons, for coming up with this suggestion. It's a great idea. We're, we decided instead of going after the, well, let me read it. It's what we're, we're actually going to do a mystery shop the way we recommend that you buy a car. And this is something we should have been doing all along. Yeah, great and, idea. And we probably will do more of this. Uh, so we mystery shop two dealers, and we'd like to do three dealers. Maybe next week we will do three dealers. Ed Morse Honda and Bremen Honda, they're both in Palm Beach County. They are um, obviously competitors. Uh, every week we must shop a different car dealer in South Florida. While we try to put together informative reports about various car shopping scenarios, our investigations follow similar MOs. We usually find an ad, the crazier the better, more entertaining, and send a shopper in to see if the dealer will honor it. We try to mix it up by having our shoppers take on the persona of different types of consumers, but the basic process is the same. This week, we're recognizing that not all shopping experiences start with bait and switch ads. If you're a regular listener to this show, you know that we advise to ignore car dealer advertising altogether. To get your best price, we suggest getting multiple quotes online, making your best effort to get a real out-the-door price. This week, we asked Agent Lightning, that's our female shopper, uh, to follow our advice. 
Lightning was instructed to try to get the best price on a new 2020 Honda CR-V LX online and then visit the dealer who provided the lowest price. Although we suggest getting at least three quotes, we limited Agent Lightning to just two dealers in the interest of time. The 2020 CRV is a common vehicle with plenty to choose from of any Honda dealer's inventory. Uh, the one we chose was an LX model with an MSRP of $26,270. This report will be divided into three sections. One, the Ed Morris, Ed Morris online experience. They're on uh, uh, Blue Heron Boulevard, just off I-95 in West Palm Beach. Uh, so we did Ed Morris uh, Honda online experience. Now we'll do the Bremen online experience. Where's Bremen located? Uh, it's uh, Lake Worth Road. Lake Worth Road. And, uh, and then thirdly, the lowest quarters on-site visit. So this is what we tell you to do. Go to, go to three or four or five or six. Uh, go to a bunch of doors online and then hammer to get an out-the-door price and take that lowest out-the-door price and visit and see what really happens. So we had to narrow it down to two, but this is the scenario that you should follow if you're going to buy a car. Uh, Edmore Online Experience, this is the first of the three, the Edmores. At 4.15 p.m., I found, I'm speaking as if I'm the uh, shopper, and that's Agent Lightning, I found the CRV listed on Edmores' website and requested a quote by filling out a form. In the quotes, I asked for the best price. Within a few minutes, I received an email and a text message from Luke. You know, it used to be in the day you could make an inquiry back in the dark ages, and you'd never hear back from a dealer. Boy, I tell you. That still it, happens. Uh, it still does <laughs> every now and then. Uh, was, uh, yeah. they, they did well. Yeah. The email congratulated me for choosing such a great vehicle, asked when a good time would be to discuss my purchase. The text was all business. Luke wanted to know if I was leasing or buying, and if I was buying soon or closer to the end of the month. Now, you might be thinking, I don't like to do this because they know who I am, they know my telephone number, they know my name. If you're doing this for real, uh, don't give them your telephone number. Uh, make one up if you have to, and uh, use an uh, uh, email address that you don't normally use. You get free email address. But then you can't text. Yeah. I, yeah. I replied to the text asking for the best price. Luke replied that he would uh, best beat. Beat, I'm sorry. He would beat any other uh, dealer's price, and he'd have that price for me the next day. I answered and asked if I could get the price tonight. He had a little red flag. Uh, Luke said he had several CRV product specialists available tonight. Now I wasn't sure I was speaking with a salesperson. Uh, I asked if it would be difficult to get me a price now. Luke said he'd have to go to the desk. That's vernacular for uh, the manager, and uh, they're the ones that negotiate and haggle and hassle. So they got to go to the desk, see what the boss says. He asked if I owned a Honda now to see if I'd qualify for a loyalty discount. And he said, I'd have my price in 30 minutes. About 30 minutes later, he texted me a price. He said, I was getting $3,500 discount off the MSRP, $26,270. My sale price was, I'm gonna give you a lot of numbers now and I don't expect you to write them down to remember these, but this is what the process was. My sale price was 22769 He hoped I was happy and said that he'd set up an appointment for me tomorrow. The next morning, I received a text from Marina with Edmore Saunders. She said the CRV was on her lot right now, provided a sales figure 
uh, provide the sales figures again. This time I was given an out-the-door price. Almost, she indicated the tag fee would be extra. Almost got the out-the-door price. Uh, the sale price was the same given by Luke, $22,769. Then came the ads, the extras that we didn't hear about up until now. $289 for wheel locks and splash guards. Uh, one of the most popular, overpriced, uh, useless uh, you know, accessories you want to get. And then there's $120 for a cargo tray. Uh, I guess there's nothing wrong with a cargo tray, but I promise you it's way overpriced, mm -hmm. and you probably don't want it, or maybe you do. Then the famous $999 dealer fee by many, many different names. And then a $285 filing fee, which is also a dealer fee by a different name. And they got $1,495 in sales tax, which is presumably legitimate. The out-the-door price was $25,964 before the tax fee. Now that was the Ed Morris experience. Now we have the Brayman online experience. Uh, my experience getting a price online from Brayman was very different. Uh, soon after submitting my request for a quote, uh, through a forum on their website, my phone began to ring. I didn't answer it first. Instead, I read the emails that began pouring in. The first email came from Sean. In it, he informed me that my price was $24,297, which was $1,973 discount off of MSRP, and $500 below invoice. I love that, $500 below invoice. Imagine what the uh, uh, rookie car shopper thinks when they Ooh. say $500 balloon voice. Oh, hey, hey, Charlie, listen, I just I just got the price from, from uh, Brayman, and they're going to sell me the car $500 below what it cost them. Hmm. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Ain't no free lunch, folks. <laughs> they're lying to you. Uh, that isn't what they paid for the car. That invoice packs in thousands of dollars in profit to the dealer. In fact, Honda has a law that says you can't advertise the price of a car below invoice. And a lot of the dealers, Toyota has the same thing. Uh, if it has, you cannot advertise below invoice, even though most of the sales and profits the dealers make, they're actually selling price is below invoice. And typically you can make $2,000 or 4,000 or more on a car by selling it at invoice. So $500 below invoice doesn't mean anything. He also let me know that Brayman has extended, I love this, has extended Labor Day. I didn't, I, know they I didn't the, think anybody had, could extend Labor Day. Huh? Congress can. No, oh, Congress, yeah. <laughs> Until this coming Sunday. If I bought by then, I would get another $500 off. So uh, it, it, the sales is getting in there and the efforts and the deception. I tried to get a more detailed quote, but Brayman was not forthcoming. I went back and forth for two hours before giving up and resolving to get, uh, trying again in the morning. Raymond was the first move in the morning. I uh, was the first move. This morning, I got a call from a voicemail from Destiny, a salesperson at uh, Raymond. Later, she began texting me. I asked her to give me the best price so I could review it with my husband. After some discussion, Destiny agreed and sent me a pic of a price breakdown. The selling price was the same that Sean provided, $24,297. Add to that, there we go, $270.50 filing fee, that's a dealer fee, that's a hidden fee, $998 dealer services fee, they all have the big fee, and they're $1 cheaper than Ed Morris, 
I don't know why they do that. It's a bargain. <laughs> and uh, $880, I love this one, destination and handling. Yeah. Uh, border, borders on the illegal because freight and, and handling is something that the manufacturer does charge a dealer and they pack it into the invoice and into the MSRP. And the dealer does pay that when he buys the car. So the handling and destination handling charge has already been paid by the dealer uh, to the manufacturer, yes. and he's passing it along in the pricing to you it's by in the, definition. It's in the MRCP and the invoice. Exactly. So by charging another $880, he's double charging you on the destination charge. And I, uh, I'm not going to make it, I don't want to get sued because I have a perfect record, but I'm pretty sure that's a federal violation. The Monroney label uh, requires that you have this destination charge included in the MSRP and the sticker. So for the dealer to add it back again, I'm pretty sure that's a federal violation. Uh, anyway, the out-the-door price at Bremen uh, was $28,015, and that was $2,000 higher than Ed Morse's out-the-door price. So do you see the advantage of shopping? And we only we only did two. Yeah, and if we've done three or four or five the, or six. In the comfort of Agent Lightning's uh, yeah. home in her cloud. Yeah, and <laughs> you remember that you don't have to actually visit the dealer. You know, if, if, if you were shopping locally and you went to Miami or even Tampa, you still have the price and you still can play poker with the dealer. Let's say I went to Tampa and the Honda dealer there gave me a, a deal that was $1,000 better than uh, Brayman's. Or Ed Morse's. Yeah, or Ed Morse or whatever. Uh, you take the lowest price and you go in and you say, look, I don't want to drive to Tampa. I'd rather buy the car from you. but." You know, you're two thousand dollars higher. I I'll drive to Tampa and back ten times. I got a hotel, a nice hotel. Exactly. I have a weekend vacation. I still beat your deal. <laughs> so you you can play them and you can negotiate with them. Uh, so don't limit yourself to only two or three. Get as many online prices as you can. Okay. So we decided to go to Ed Morsonda because they had the lowest, hopefully, out the door price. But, but there's one other thing you just missed out. I think. Destiny might have suspected her price was on the high side because she says, can you do me one little favor? If you find a lower price, please give me one more shot to beat it. Yeah, yeah. That was a dead giveaway. Yeah, she said she would yeah. really beat up her yeah. desk yeah. to get her a lo get her yeah. a lower price. The only way you can be sure that they gave you an out-the-door price is if they say, if you find a better price, buy the car. Right. Because that is my lowest price. And if you really find one without hidden fees and dealer-installed accessories, grab it because it's one heck of a deal. They tell you that, they're telling you the truth. Okay, uh, I wasn't sure, I'm the shopper now, I am Agent Lightning, I wasn't sure if I should ask for Luke or Rena, uh, the people we talked to online, so I just uh, uh, walked up to the receptionist to ask for help. Everyone was wearing a face mask, but the receptionist lowered hers to talk to me in her defense, she was behind a plastic petition. I, you know, I'll, I'll show you the picture later if we have time. It's a kind of a funny picture, but what's the sense in wearing a face mask if when you want to talk to somebody, you take it off? I mean... We saw that in last week's show. I mean, first of all, if you're not talking, you probably can take it off. But if you're talking, you're breathing on them, and you you should leave it on, but I don't want to beat her up. Now, there was a glass petition there. there. Was. Um, I told the receptionist I had a prize from the Internet Department, uh, but she paid for available salesmen loudly over the intercom. In a couple of minutes, and be careful with that, folks. The sales department and the, we call them the floor salespeople, they're merging now. 
Now, in our dealership, they're almost one and the same. Mm -hmm. But the internet department in most dealerships is separate, and the salespeople that sell cars, they're the walk-ins, the people that come in and say, I want to look at cars, that price is higher. The internet price is always lower in car dealerships. So you should always try to speak to the internet salesperson if you can. In this case here, they just paid, paid for a salesperson, and they may have been internet. Uh, in a couple of minutes, I was approached by Sal. We chatted for a while about the type of car I was looking for. I told him I was very familiar with Hondas. I said my husband drove an Accord, and I was looking for a nice SUV, like the CRV. We sat down, Sal asked me for my name and phone number, which he entered into a computer. I think he was able to see that I was already in their system and had received a quote. He showed me the same car, wow, same stock number, that's good. It's the one Rena had given me on the price. And Rena's name never even came up, but same price, same car. Sal got the keys, we went outside, looked at the CRV. He offered a test drive, which I accepted. Back inside in Sal's desk, he had some more questions for me. Was I interested in leasing, et cetera? I asked all the questions, let him know that I wanted an out-the-door purchase price. Sal was professional and patient. He said he would get an out-the-door price for me in writing. He left and returned shortly after with a worksheet. The numbers matched Rena's quote exactly. The sale price was 22769 plus 289 for wheel locks, you know, you don't like that, and the splash guards, 120 for the cargo uh, top, carrier, whatever you go on, tray, yeah. Uh, $291.25 in taxable fees, and a taxable fee. Probably the tag agency and all that. Yeah, is a dealer fee. Yeah. Taxable fees are dealer fees. Taxable fees are hidden fees. They're bad, bad, bad. Uh, $999. Again, that's taxable, but they somehow break, they break it out to taxable fees, and the 999 dealer services fee is a taxable fee. So it's all smoke and mirrors, folks. Uh, just remember, if there's tax on the charge, it's profit to the dealer. And $1,493 in real taxes, presumably. You don't know find out. We say presumably so until you get to the finance office and, and really see the breakdown. You don't know. If they're really, uh, you know, sales, sales tax and whatnot. Anyway, the out-the-door price, well, the same as Rena's quote, $25,964. I asked Sal if I could get uh, the info with me to review with my husband, and he agreed. Uh, you know, no pressure there either. Sometimes they really hammer you when you want to take the price out and you want to go home, and uh, he didn't do that. So basically, two vastly different experiences and two vastly different prices, and we checked the true car price on the Ed Morse quote, and um, Cog and Honda uh, in Stewart, Martin County? Yeah. Yeah. Cog and Honda um, had a, is a true car dealer, and uh, they beat the out-the-door price from Bremen by $500, which is not a lot of money. No, and they, they also had a lot of dealer fees, too. The difference was the uh, the wheel locks and the cargo tray that added up to about $510, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you could insist on them taking that out. I think you'd have a. But the whole point is, uh, we got a good. Got she got good information and can use this price to yeah. probably even go lower. Yeah. So we 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 did two things here. We we have somebody we can put on the recommended list based on the vote, and we also have a competition between two uh, two dealers. In this case, uh, uh, Ed Morris Honda beat out Bremen Honda. Or did mm -hmm. I get that back? Yeah, Ed, yeah. Morse, yeah. Ed Morse Honda beat out Bremen Honda. 
uh, to buy the car. The beautiful thing was in uh, in the old days, to find to, to find that out would require driving in your car and spending hours yes. and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And do it. Yeah. she didn't even give Brayman the shot because they were out there so far out of the ballpark. Yeah, um, and save a lot of time. Now imagine doing that with yeah. five dealers. And you could have gone on to Brayman and, and beat them up and 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 screamed and yelled and got high blood pressure. Maybe got a better price, but. Online is the name of the game. And I guess we're getting close. We probably ought to get some votes in here. Uh, Who wants to go first on the votes? Well, I'm waiting for him to come in on Facebook here. um, But I just want to, I'll jump in with mine. Um, I'm going to give Ed Morris, I'm going to give him a a B plus. There is, uh, even though they have the dealer fees and all that, they gave that up front online. That's all you're asking for. So who cares how they break down the price on their side? They gave an out-the-door price. Interesting observation, by the way. And we can't make an evaluation just from one visit, but Bremen outsells Edmore's Honda by a lot. Edmore's Honda doesn't sell very many cars for a Honda dealer, and uh, Bremen Honda sells a lot of cars for a Honda dealer. So I hate to say, but uh, the sneaky tactics are working uh, if we take this snapshot event as something. Uh, okay. Well, I've got uh, Tim Gilliland comes in with Edmore's, gets a C. Brayman gets a D, and Mark Anderson says, Mark from St. Louis, A grade for the mystery shop idea, doing it this way. Never buy a car from a guy named Sal, grade D. <laughs> or Ace. He, he got a D for his name? Come on, man. Never buy a car from a guy named Ace. Right. Yeah. And for me, I'm, I'm going to go along with the B. I think that uh, I think she got treated properly at Ed Morse once she got there, and they gave her the price. Yep, yeah. And I've got Mark Ryan with a B minus. Okay. Yep. Linda gives him a C. Martha gives him a B. Mark in Palm Beach Gardens uh, gives um, Ed Morse a B and Brayman a D. Nancy? Yeah. I'm going to give uh, Ed Morse Honda a, a B and Brayman a C. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it was, Ed Morse is so good <laughs> that it makes uh, Brayman seem bad. Uh, and I, I, I kind of like that. I'm going to. I'm going to echo Nancy's vote on that. I think that's that's the way I would do it. Uh, they're both on our recommend list, I believe, uh, or they have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, but here now we're getting to nuanced differences. Now we now we we probably ought to have uh, maybe if if we continue with this scenario in this format, maybe we ought to have a dealers we uh, we actually would have bought from or something. I mean because we. Even though they're both recommended, clearly Ed Morris was a higher rating and a higher grade. Okay. Um, do you have any uh, any more grades to? No, uh, we're all, we're uh, thank you Please. to everyone for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. We enjoy your company. Be right back here next week. Stay safe and have a wonderful morning. Thank you.